the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Hour number two now, nine minutes past 10 o'clock as we continue on AM 1420. The answer it is the 31st and final morning of the month of March in the year of our Lord 2020. And I said it at the start of the show, and I'll say it again now. My goodness, was this the longest month you've ever endured? Well, you haven't seen anything yet. Wait until you see how April drags out, because we're going to continue the same exact thing. Joining us now to help us get through this final morning of March in a uh, manner that I think you will appreciate is our friend Peter Kirschnow, who is a Cleveland attorney. He is a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. He is a best-selling author, a highly regarded and sought-after speaker, and also a writer and a columnist for National Review. Also, by the way, he hosts the Kirschnow Report here on AM 1420, The Answer. Peter, my friend, good morning. How are you, sir? Bob, I'm doing well. I'm trying to keep up uh, good spirits. It's sometimes hard to do because it looks like we're in the apocalypse here. It's like, you know, I'm expecting to see zombies wandering around. You know, when I'm downtown, I'm usually the only person walking down Euclid Avenue when I'm walking from about East 6 down to the, uh, I still call it the old BB building, but uh, the 200 Public Square building. So it's uh, interesting times we're living in. Uh, we'll, get, we'll get through it. One of the things that... Um, uh, concerns me, though, is that and I think we have to have perspective. I mean, you can't deny what's going on. Uh, it, this is a serious matter. But I do think that there is um, just a little bit of hysteria about it. When you're in the middle of this, if you're in New York City, there's no hysteria. I mean, that's that's for real. But um, I'm more interested in uh, you know trying to calibrate the response judiciously so that um, you know we minimize the harm both to our our collective health into the economy, and um, I'm getting a little concerned that we may be, you know, going a little bit off off uh, track on doing both of those things at the same time. 
Pete, um, let's let's focus in on that just a little. I have so many other things I want to talk about. I want to talk about Chinese culpability. I want to talk about uh, the uh, uh, the Mike Lindell story from yesterday and why the uh, the Democrats and the liberals in this country are so hate filled for people who are uh, people of faith. Um, but but just real quick. Um, we have heard a lot of people say, including the president, that we cannot allow the cure to be more deadly or worse than the disease or the virus. Um, and I think that's very true. He said something in one of his briefings last week about how people are going to start committing suicide if we uh, if we let this thing drag out too long because people are going to watch their businesses go belly up, their jobs, their health insurance, and so on and so forth. And a lot of people are going to get sink into depression and maybe try to end their lives. Um he was roundly criticized for that, as he is for everything that he says. But I got a headline here from the Federalist. Maybe you saw this from Friday. More people died from suicide than coronavirus in Tennessee this week. Knox County, Tennessee, saw nine deaths by suicide. Uh, last week, there were six deaths in the state of Tennessee, all told, from the coronavirus. Now, they're not saying each and every one of these is specific to the coronavirus, but it is uh, highly coincidental, if nothing else, that so many people in such a very short period of time were feeling so desperate and so uh, depressed uh, that they chose that way out. So I'm not saying that we're going to see a, a big line uh, you know, at the top of buildings, but boy, oh boy. Um, people need to be able to live in order to remember exactly why it is that we're fighting this disease. I couldn't agree more, Bob. And you and I talked about exactly this a couple of weeks ago, I think. Uh, as a labor and employment lawyer, I see the echo effect of economic depression. You know, we saw it in 2001 after 9-11, uh, again in 2007, 2008. Uh, you see what happens. People lose jobs, be, uh, drop into despair. Uh, and uh, this kind of thing has a significant effect on health, and there are a lot of suicides as a result. The president has been right when he has talked about that. Uh, you don't recover from there's There's, there's alcohol addiction, there's uh, drug addiction, there's all, all kinds of ancillary effects from that. That doesn't mean we abandon, you know, a prudent social distancing and other mechanisms to make sure we maintain a healthy populace. But I think we have to do it in a way that is, as I said before, judicious. New York City seems to be the epicenter of more than half, or at least close to half, of all of our cases. It makes sense for them to be you know, on virtual lockdown. But certain other areas, I don't know that it makes sense. I'll leave it to the experts on this. But, you know, we all have a brain, and we all are free people, and we don't want to infect others. We want to be responsible in that regard. But I look at, as a comparison, Bob, and I think you've probably, if I know you, you've talked about something like this on your show, even if I haven't had an opportunity to, to listen at the time. But uh, perspective and context is in order. I've been saying this to friends for a long time, and I think a lot of us have been saying the same thing. You know, we, we're perplexed to some extent. We hear the projections. We take it seriously because it comes from people who spend all their lives on things like this. Those projections haven't yet materialized, which means doesn't mean they won't at some point. But right now we have a little bit north of 3,000 deaths in all of the United States uh, related to this. At least that's the calculus right now. And that's over a two-month period. But let's even just say that's over a one-month period. You know, I went back and I looked at a couple of sources to see what are the comparatives. And the, the best comparatives are other infectious diseases, okay, uh, as this one is. Uh, 
people die from a whole host of things, everything from, you know, suicide to medical errors to cancer, but those things aren't infectious diseases. But if you're just limited to infectious diseases, you know, we've got, let's just say there were 3,000 in the month of March. There were fewer than that, but there were 3,000 deaths in the United States attributable to coronavirus um, in March. Well, every month, or a Approximately 250,000 Americans die from some reason, but from infectious diseases alone. <clears throat> there are 14,100 people, according to my math, looking at various sources, including a, a splendid article in Investors Business Daily. Mm-hmm. But I extrapolated from that, and 14,100 deaths from chronic respiratory disease a month. That's compared to 3,000 thus far from uh, the coronavirus. Now, that may expand, but remember, 3,000 versus 14,100. Then 9,600 people die every month from the flu during flu season. And 1,000, I'm st- strike that, 6,100 die every month from bacterial infections. And even something as mild and obscure as strep throat, 170 people a month die from strep throat. So you go from a small range to a very large range, and this particular virus, right now it's at 3,000 or thereabouts, maybe 2,000. It may expand to something greater than that, and I'm not saying we don't take it seriously, but perspective is in order, and I think some of this, a lot of it's fueled by the media, of course. I think some of it does have to do. We can't discount the fact that a significant portion has to do with Trump derangement syndrome in the media, and it also has to do with, and I know this is a small matter, Bob, and I don't mean to be unnecessary, I don't mean to be uh, kind of churlish about this, but every television screen you go by has the ubiquitous little uh, box in the corner tallying deaths on a minute-by-minute basis. We don't have that for anything else, and I think that does have an effect on our psychology. So, again, I think perspective is in order. I hope that at some point um, the president and others will look at this and say, okay, I think the president's instincts initially were right, that we want to make sure we protect the populace. We take this extremely seriously. At the same time, we have a huge economy and 330 million people are dependent upon it, and we have to come up with a smart mechanism by which we can get the economy going and not unnecessarily jeopardize lives in the process. Yeah, and it's going to take people smarter than me and probably not too much smarter than you to figure out how to do that, because that is a balancing act. President Trump said this yesterday. He said, look, the economy is very important to me, but it is my second uh, obligation. It's my number two on my list. He said, first, I want to save a lot of lives, and that is exactly what the goal should be in that order. Um, But then again, we also have to talk about what kind of lives will be left if people are all driven into the poorhouse, which is exactly what is happening because of the decisions that are being made. Peter Kirstenau is with us. We've got him for two more segments. That's the great news. We're going to talk about China next here on AM 1420, The Answer. Onward we will now at 1023. Peter Kirstenau is with us, and uh, we're talking about all things Chinese coronavirus related. You heard me correctly. Wuhan coronavirus, Chinese coronavirus, 
uh, it needs to be identified, and there's a good reason for it. Senator Tom Cotton. Well, China turned what could have been a local health problem in Wuhan into a global pandemic, and there will have to be a reckoning once we're through this pandemic. So, for instance, we need to bring back all of our pharmaceutical manufacturing and our medical device manufacturing from China. We need to look at all the other supply chains that we have in China that we should bring back to the United States. Absolutely everything. The question is, is will the American um, uh, uh, retailers be willing to pay more for their goods? Once all of this is said and done, or will there be a reckoning? Peter, uh, Tom Cotton, you said it directly. China turned what should have been a local health problem in Wuhan into a global pandemic. They are the reason American businesses are going under. They are the reason Americans are holed up in their homes right now. They're, they're on unemployment. They're going to lose their health care. They're the reason people are dying around the world in Italy and Spain, particularly among other European nations. This is a China problem, and yet people are still concerned about us identifying that. Meanwhile, the World Health Organization continues to praise China for the work that they did in Wuhan, and uh, um, uh, China continues to spread its propaganda, propaganda around the globe, trying to position themselves as the leader in global response to a virus they were responsible for. That's a lot of ground to cover, I know, and I know you've covered some of it with your work with the um, Civil Rights Commission and your colleague, Gail Harriet. Give me your response. Uh, well, I think that's a good capitalization. Cap- capitalization of what's transpired. China is the problem here, and there's no uh, getting around that fact. We have a giant propaganda machine in China and their affiliates here in the United States, and their sympathizers in the United States. When I say sympathizers, it sounds as if, you know, somebody who is coordinating with an enemy. And China is, if not an enemy, an adversary and a serious one. And we have outsourced so much of our critical manufacturing to them that it's a national security crisis. Not just an issue, but a national security crisis, and we're seeing it play out right now. By the way, as an aside, I know you probably saw that a couple of days ago, a Chinese national was picked up, and it was kind of by accident, with uh, a vial of MERS and a vial of SARS in his briefcase, okay, a bottle of it. I did not see this, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. And at first they didn't know what it was, but then there was some testing done of it, and whoa, lo and behold, it had these extraordinarily infectious diseases in there. Now, you know, we still don't know what he was doing with those vials and why he was bringing them into the United States, but what we do know is from the very outset, China lied about this. Mm -hmm. They had at least a month and a half to two months' notice of what was going on, but they were covering it up and lied to the World Health Organization, which then carried water for them, by the way, and they permitted tens of thousands, at least 20,000 Chinese nationals thousands of whom came from the Wuhan area to travel to the United States without alerting anybody about this. This, this is extraordinary what has transpired here, and unfortunately many in our media are carrying water for the oh, Chinese yeah. uh, communist government, and they're doing so in small part. Now, much of this has to do with the fact that these people are getting paid by China. Now, I'm not talking about any specific journalists necessarily, but China has spread billions of dollars throughout the United States at the university level, at the magazine level, all kinds of things to get favorable coverage uh, in the United States. And many journalists, of course, this comes naturally to them because they want to seize upon any issue to bash Trump. It's just an extraordinary place we're in today, that 
Getting Trump is more important than reporting the news accurately and protecting the lives of American citizens and our economy. So there are a number of reasons why China is at the epicenter of this. They lied about the fact that or tried to propagandize some lie about the United States and the United States military being responsible for this. They are really bad actors. China may have changed superficially, cosmetically, from the old Mao Zedong days, but the Communist Party of China has the same ideology, has the same perspective, has the same totalitarian approach. We have to take it seriously. Tom Cotton is precisely correct. We've got to bring over back to this country, not just Tom Cotton, by the way. Donald Trump has been vindicated in so many ways because of this virus. He's talked about shutting down the borders, America first, so on and so forth, and he's been widely ridiculed because of those things and derided. Well, it turns out he was prescient. He was exactly right. We have to bring that stuff back because when 90% of our medicines are, or at least the, the components of our medicines are being manufactured in China, that is a national security crisis on steroids. No question about it. And I could follow up about seven different ways from the things that you just said, but I'm going to go to this. Um, do you trust the World Health Organization to make the decisions about how we combat this pandemic and, of course, how it affects our economy? And I asked that vis-a-vis uh, what you just got done discussing. Tucker Carlson last night, a show you appear on from time to time, Tucker did a great expose on the World Health Organization and how they are essentially being run by the Chinese government. We are the leading benefactor. In fact, we pay more than double, uh, Tucker reported, any other country to fund the World Health Organization, but they take their marching orders from Beijing. Knowing this, should we be even giving them the time of day as it pertains to how we deal with this uh, pandemic? Uh, Bob, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in any international or world organization. Not to disparage them uniformly, but I don't have a whole lot of confidence in the UN. I don't have a whole lot of confidence in the WHO. For Pete, let me stop you with reasons. that. Let me stop you with that, uh, because we're up against the news, and I want you to go further there, and I know you were going to anyway. So we'll come back uh, on the heels of that. Peter does not trust the World Health Organization or the United Nations. Neither do I. If you heard my first half hour today, you know exactly why. But we'll hear it from Peter Kirsten now as he comes back with us for one more segment after this on AM 1420, Okay, 1035 now. We continue on AM 1420, The Answer. We're talking about why we got where we are, how we got where we are, rather, and, and why... Uh, it is as well. It did not have to happen. We know about what China did. We know about the communist government. Rather than containing the spread of a local uh, virus, um, they decided to cover it up instead and to allow it to be spread to the pandemic that it is now, killing people around the world and more important, well, I shouldn't say more importantly, as importantly, killing people by way of killing the economies of industrialized nations like the United States. Now, Peter Kersenow, uh, we you, you and I both have put um, a really heavy amount of blame on Beijing for what they did. Uh, but the World Health Organization does not. The World Health Organization is praising Chinese government officials for their speed, the speed at which they handled this and allegedly got control of the virus. They should be the model of the world, with the exception of the fact that they're lying. 
because reports from inside China, from Radio Free Asia, say that uh, the funeral homes and the crematoriums are on overdrive, cranking out Lord knows how many urns of ashes every single day, far more than the government of China is copping to. So you were telling us before the break, you don't trust the World Health Organization any more than I do. You don't trust the U.N. either. Pick it up there. Yeah, well... I've never trusted them for, or haven't trusted them for quite some time, and, you know, I am not alone. Millions have. Tom Cotton just indicated a little bit of uh, concern. I know President Trump also. But there's a variety of reasons for them, and they're not complicated. It's money, ideology, and power. Uh, But I'd like to stress ideology for a second here. Uh, I've already indicated that China spreads untold billions around the world in order to propagandize and to get people to say things the way they want to be said. And also, they they wield a lot of economic clout. We saw that with the way the NBA kowtowed to uh, Beijing uh, a few months ago, and many of our so-called NBA stars did the same thing. It was reprehensible. But the, the, the big thing here with China is, I think, there is a synergy and maybe to some extent some sympathy in terms of ideology. There are a lot of folks in the World Health Organization and um, the UN really don't like the United States and are more sympathetic to China. I know that sounds bizarre, but you've got a lot of actors, political actors, who have a greater affinity for China, and that's exacerbated in the time of, of you know, orange man bad. They can't stand Trump. But that was the case even preceding Trump. So the kind of information we get from the World Health Organization, I'm not saying that it should be dismissed outright, or any other information we get from international bodies should be dismissed outright, but they should be taken with a large grain of salt, because there's considerable animosity, and uh, to some extent, I think that um, uh, there are political and financial imperatives at play where these international organizations work against the interests of the United States. So be very careful. Now, look, I'm not saying that World Health Organization should be dismissed outright, but I'm very skeptical of anything that comes out of that body, especially when they seem to be literally almost carrying the water, at least the message for China. And they did so when China purportedly lied to them about the contagion that Originally, back late November, early December, China told the World Health Organization, based on media reports, that this outbreak in Wuhan was not contagious and that it was being contained. And that was false. Nonetheless, World Health Organization, for at least a period of time, ran with that. Now, who knows how many untold lives were affected by that delay? We know the Democrats like to talk about Trump delayed when just the opposite was true. But nonetheless... This is, I think, something that we've seen, not just with respect to the coronavirus, but all manner of political um, issues that have occurred over the last, say, 20 years as China ascendancy has caused organizations like this to, if not moderate their position, um, at least be non-confrontational when it came to pushing back against China when it does bad things. Um, Pete, uh, go, going a little deeper into um, the, the the origin, which you talked about, are you buying the bat soup story? Are you are you completely convinced that this wasn't cooked up in a lab uh, in Wuhan, where there are two bio uh, uh, 
weapons uh, facilities, if you will, and released and, and not accidentally and then covered up by the Chinese government, but that the bat thing is the story they're using to then uh, try to deflect uh, blame for what they really tried to do here? Yeah, at the risk of sounding like a conspiracy theorist, I actually do think, however, as a first order of business, I think that there's a very good probability that it came from something like one of these wet markets. There had been, well before this outbreak, some advisories coming out of medical organizations, legitimate ones, I'm not just talking about the World Health Organization, that said that this was a giant and dangerous petri petri dish, and we are going to see some cross-species emergence of viruses, and we had to be very, very concerned. Um, That said, it is peculiar, and I think you have to be, uh, I think, blind to it, not to consider the possibility, especially when you have two bioweapons labs, or two biolabs, that produce this kind of virus in that area to think that, well, we're going to dismiss that outright, knowing that the Chinese Communist Party doesn't have our best interests or those of the world at heart, and they seek hegemony. So again, don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, just the opposite. We should consider all of the possibilities, and I don't dismiss that possibility whatsoever. I still happen to think right now the most logical explanation is that this was a cross-species jump of the virus, um, but, you know, I think every possibility needs to be examined to get to the root of this, and China is the central player throughout. Again, I would encourage you to take a look at it. It's, a, it's just a, you know, I think it was an AP article, and it was followed up by a couple of other organizations about this individual Chinese national that was arrested after he landed in the United States with these two vials. Um, don't know what that was all about yet. Maybe that was some legitimate medical experiment. Who knows? Uh, nonetheless, there are a lot of strange things going on that merit exploration. Just like in a pandemic such as this, you can't let any stone unturned. You devote the vast majority of your resources to staunching and curing this disease and treating the individuals who have it. But we've got to prepare for the next such cycle because this is not going to be the last one. It's going to happen again. We have to be prepared. Peter, um, quickly, I've got two more questions for you related to this. I want to go back to or go to the criticism of the president for his quote-unquote perceived slow handling of this. As you know, it's been going on for a month now, this incessant media criticism and leftist criticism, but you repeat yourself. Um, And also, excuse me, that he somehow uh, tried to dismantle the entire uh, pandemic response uh, department in, uh, in the federal government. And I've got two stories here. Number one uh, is a story of Nancy Pelosi. It's flashback to February 24th, so a little over a month ago. Uh, and she was standing in the middle of Chinatown telling everybody, come on down here to the restaurants. Get down here. Be here, be here with us. Do not uh, do not, not come to the restaurants. It's perfectly safe. Um, are we, should we also suggest that she and Democrats and many others were also a little bit slow to understanding exactly how dangerous this is going to be? Because that's the same time frame that the president was saying, we don't have a huge problem here in this country number two is this flashback from pj media <clears throat> an analysis done 
Uh, actually, they're quoting Fox News. The Obama-Biden administration repeatedly sought to cut hundreds of millions of dollars. That's repeatedly, not reportedly. This is all factual and can be found uh, on the CDC website. But they tried to cut $569 million from CDC in 2013, $270 the next year, $414 million the next year, $251 million the next year, and were unable to do so. But here's Biden and Democrats attacking Donald Trump, saying that he is the one who tried to cut uh, the funding for the pandemic response team as a part of cdc as well um the hypocrisy is so thick here you you can cut it but your thoughts yeah i think it goes beyond hypocrisy i I agree with it It is hypocrisy but i think Mm -hmm. it's gone beyond that we're in an era and have been for a while but it's becoming abundantly plain that uh up is down black is white uh, left is right when it comes to media reporting uh they first of all have a clear and transparent agenda they do. It's a transparent agenda now. They don't care. They're simply going to lie to you. You know, we saw that as just one example when they claimed that Trump was responsible for the fact that those two people in Arizona took chloroquine, uh, hydroxychloroquine, when they drank fish tank uh, cleaner. Right. And they tried to blame that on Trump. I mean, it's just this stuff has gotten to be uh, ridiculous. That's a mild word to use, but it's also dangerous. We need information at a time like this, unvarnished, unbiased information. The fact is, there have been a number of timelines that have been established, unfortunately, that they had to be established because they have to counter the media and Democrat, but I repeat myself, lies about this. Trump came out at the end of January with a travel ban on China. No one was thinking about this at the time. In fact, if you look at all the contemporaneous reports, Democrats and the media, but I repeat myself, were downplaying this, and they were calling it explicitly, and I said this in a couple of articles that I sent to you, uh, and, and the Civil Rights Commission opined upon this, and I came out with another statement that said that um, this was xenophobic and racist, and they stuck with that line. And if you go back as late as March 13th, we're in the middle of it at this point, March 13th, just a couple of weeks ago, Joe Biden the presumptive Democratic nominee was saying that Trump's travel ban and also a border wall won't work in stemming this virus and is racist and xenophobic. Nancy Pelosi was saying similar things. The biggest delay, the most consequential delay, even if it was just a couple of days, was when the Democrats tried to insert all of their pet items that had absolutely nothing to do with saving lives and stemming coronavirus into the giant release bill. Uh, And now Nancy Pelosi has the temerity to come out and say that, you know, Trump fiddled while, I don't know what she said, Washington burned or the country burned. Uh, And the media will just go ahead and report that uncritically without any kind of commentary, whereas every time Trump gives a press conference, they ask these questions. I have to agree with President Trump on this. They are snarky, gotcha questions that seek to, number one, with the the, uh, example of Jim Acosta, burnish his credentials to the extent they can be burnished, and number two, to get Trump to further the narrative that orange man bad. Uh, I'll I'll repeat this again. Um, This was bad enough over the last three years when they tried to peddle every single lie they possibly could. And they were lies because they were known at the time they were spoken to be false. It's bad enough that they do something like that, but they're doing that in a time of national crisis when it's imperative that the populace get unfiltered information in order to protect lives, to protect businesses, to protect livelihoods. This is unforgivable 
everyone needs to remember it and put it into their quiver and remember it for the next time because there will be a next time, the next time we have a national crisis. Unfortunately, uh, we don't have a reliable media anymore, and that's a real uh, debilitating factor when we have to confront the next crisis. Peter, I know you've got to go. Great response, by the way. I want to ask you just one more, and that is on the unity aspect. You know, everybody says we're supposed to come together to fight this thing. Democrats uh, and their media, and you repeat yourself, uh, continue to say the heck with that. Yesterday, President Trump bought Mike, brought Mike Lindell, the owner and CEO and founder of MyPillow, to the podium during the coronavirus press briefing, briefing because Mike Lindell has pledged to make 50,000 masks a day in his Minnesota pillow factory. He is going to manufacture these masks to the specifications of the federal government. It's going to be free of charge, if I'm not mistaken. He is doing this to help the country, and CNN cut away. Uh, Twitter and social media went ballistic. Oh, my God, we're in the middle of a coronavirus uh, um, crisis, and Trump is bringing up his corporate buddies to advertise their pillows. Um, I, I'm, the hatred and the, 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 the vile statements were made about Mike Lindell and Donald Trump as a result of that are just too graphic to even air uh, uh, right now. But, Pete, what happened? What happened to, hey, in a time of crisis, you said before, we learned nothing from 9-11. This is an example. We're supposed to come together. Hell, we came together then for at least a little while. They're savaging a guy who's voluntarily making 50,000 masks a day to alleviate the shortage, Pete. There are multiple reasons for that. We've already touched upon some of them. Uh, and I'll add one more. And this may not be the overriding reason, but I, I firmly believe it's a major one. You and I have talked about when we had a hearing at the Civil Rights Commission just a couple of years ago about religious freedom and um, its intersection with principles of non-discrimination and other issues related to the government. And even I, who called for the hearing because I saw which way all of this was going, was stunned by the overt hostility toward religion and the religious. It's, it's extraordinary. I, I was not prepared for it, even though I've been on the Civil Rights Commission for a long time, and see you know, bits and pieces of that. Don't discount the enmity toward the religious and religion generally. And whenever somebody such as a Michael Lindell wears his religion on his, on his sleeve, I mean, he's not being you know, suffocating about it or anything like that. He just happens to be very proud of who he is. And it, it, it was a reclamation project on his yeah, part. Because you know? his story is um, so amazing. He loves telling the story. He, was, he admits he was a cocaine addict. His life was out of control. He found God and turned his life around and, and is now the CEO of this amazing, successful company. I would, I'd tell that story every time I could if I was him. Right. You know, this is a large country. We have people who are agnostics. We have people who are atheists. We have people have, who are religious. And, you know, we should try to deal with all of them, you know, in a, in a fair and um, equal fashion. But by the same token, there is a significant, from the media, uh, especially from many in the establishment, there's not just a, a, a kind of uh, a slight negativity toward them. There's clearly no neutrality. But there's an overt hostility by so many and so many institutions. And it doesn't help the United States, because if you look at where charity comes from, those who volunteer, vastly disproportionate amount of money and time come from the people who are religious and trying to uh, address all manner of things, but especially things like an emergency uh, of this nature. Without those individuals, we would be in really, really bad shape. And Amen. think about what those who criticize the Mike Lindells are contributing to this entire endeavor. Not a whole lot. Give me Mike Lindell a hundred times over a Jim Acosta. 
Amen. Amen. He's productive. He's doing something. He's not just sitting there griping about what isn't being done. He is actually doing something. Peter Kirstenau does something every single day for this country in one manner or another. Peter, thank you, my friend. God bless. Thanks, Bob. All right, that's Peter Kirsten out. It's 1051. Our final segment is coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1055. We've got time for a couple of phone calls before the top of the hour, and we turn it over to Mike Gallagher. Don't forget, there is another Salem special coverage event of the uh, coronavirus, the Chinese coronavirus, the Wuhan coronavirus, that being respo- uh, uh, the Chinese government being responsible for it, rather. Uh, that's at 4 o'clock today, and that's uh, when all of the big guns get together to fire, and that would be Hugh Hewitt and uh, Mike Gallagher and Dennis Prager and Larry Elder and Dr. Sebastian Gorka, 4 o'clock today during the Gorka Show, so make sure, the America First Show, so make sure you tune in for that. All right, some phone calls. Uh, Charlie in Cleveland, you're on AM 1420. The answer, go ahead. Hey, Bob. Um, I just want to uh, you know, express my appreciation for you know all of us, essential workers and what we're exposed to, uh, especially in the uh, medical field. I really feel for them because uh, if anybody's going to be exposed, it's going to be them. And I just appreciate what they do. Uh, The reason I called is uh, I wanted to express uh, what myself and the other truck drivers are going through at this time. Um, We appreciate all the... uh, posts and such that we see on Facebook and whatnot. Uh, The difficulties that we have, uh, the first thing is uh, food. Um, Everything is uh, delivery or carry out, and uh, the restaurants are closed. Uh, You go, uh, if you're in an area that all you have is fast food, uh, we can't drive our trucks to a drive-thru. And they will not serve you if you walk up to the drive-through. So there are a lot of drivers that are going. I had heard. Uh, I, I had heard. I had heard that the, many of the truck stops are are telling you just call ahead, call ahead, tell them what you want. They'll bring it right out to your rig for you. Is that? Are you not finding that out to, to be the case? I uh, it's 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 hit and miss. And a lot of times we don't have the ability to make it to a truck stop. And if there is even adequate parking, that's another thing that's going on. Pennsylvania shut down their rest areas. They are just now opening them back up because by uh, FMCSA DOT uh, regulations, we have to take a 10-hour break, and we're required to take a half-hour break after eight hours of work and finding a place where you can actually do that. Charlie, i got to difficult. jump in here because i got to get some other people on real quick, but thank you for the call. You guys are on the front lines. Absolutely, you are top-line importance uh, to all of us. We get nothing without you guys, and I hope that it's not just Penn, I hope everybody makes sure that they're accommodating whatever your needs are, the ones that are required and just the ones that are reasonable and responsible. Thank you. Donnie in Euclid, I want to get him on. He's been there for all, a while. Donnie, go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to let you know that I agree one thousand percent with what Pete said, and I and I totally agree with you what you're saying. As a former truck driver, there should be more consideration given to them. 
Amen. They, they, they really are. You know, we talk, thanks so much for the call. We talk about first responders and the importance. We talk about people who are just integral to us surviving in our daily lives. Those truck drivers really are the front end of this. They load them up and they got to get them to your stores and we have to take care of them. That's all the time that I have. I'm sorry I don't have more, but stay here because Mike Gallagher's next. Bye bye. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com